What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hi, this is Josh Marshall, and this is the Josh Marshall Podcast. Today, we are going to look at something that happened yesterday. Um, I, you can't really say it happened on CNN or Fox or any one place. It was sort of like a... It was across the board. Kind yeah, of. it was kind of like, you know, these talk about uh, uh, John Coltrane, a wall of sound. It was like a <laughs> wall of Rudy. Um, and But it's not just something that happened yesterday. It's kind of like an ongoing thing, and it's kind of a mystery. What's, what is, 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 is Rudy like as as bad a lawyer as he seems to be, as bad a representative of President Trump as he seems to be, or is there some sort of, like, method to the madness? You know, kind of people speculate about there being, like, you know, 10-dimensional chess or something. So we're going to, we are going to try to dig into what happened yesterday, what we can glean from it, both about that question, but also sort of the the the, the broader, the, or the more specific question of, what facts was he potentially talking about, and what can we what can we learn from that? We can also talk to D- David about. Remember, we were we were talking in the newsroom at one point. Right. I I guess we were we were trying to figure out what to sort of what we should do editorially yeah. with with them, but we were also kind of in real time listening to them over again and trying to figure <laughs> right. out. What it meant, yeah, or what is going said. on? Yeah, 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 it was wild. Yeah. So, uh, really quickly, let me, let me before we dig into that, let me uh, tell you some information from our glorious sponsor, Grady's Cold Brew Ice Coffee. Born in Brooklyn and brewed in the Bronx, Grady's is New York's favorite cold brew. But you can have it delivered to your door no matter where you live. Their cold brew kit includes everything you need to create smooth, velvety cold brew at home. All you have to do is add water. No French press, no mess, no baristas. You save money, too. You get 36 cups of gourmet cold brew for only $30. That's less than a buck a cup. And shipping's free. So ready to give it a swirl? Get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. That's Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. Okay, so we are going to start uh, with your questions again. Uh, as, as you know, uh, give us uh, – do we have the number? Really, yeah, let, let me give you guys the number here. Oh, wait, I have the – okay, you can give, you give the number. All right, give us a call at 646-868-8393. And uh, give us your name, tell us where you're from, and just give us a short question. You know, keep it, keep it a bit concise because we want to get to a few of them on each yeah. show. And Don't so, go too out of control. Yeah, exactly. Rain yourself in a bit, but seriously, we love to get these questions, and um, we actually got we actually had one question this week, which was from a listener who said, "Can you can you not have the questions at the beginning?" <laughs> and I'm and I'm saying that I'm not I'm not uh, uh, g- giving her a hard time. I I I think that it was interesting because 
she said that she felt it kind of breaks up the flow of the episode. Um, and I got the impression that it's just not a kind of a feature of the show that she particularly likes because it doesn't hold her attention. Um, at least for now, we're going to keep to having them at the beginning of yeah. the episode. If you feel the same, though, let yeah, us know. But yeah, absolutely let us know. I mean, we don't, you know, we, we uh, want to have uh, the most enjoyable show, but also the most sort of informative. Uh, so let us know what you think. If you like the Q&A, I like it. I, I find it very interesting. I like hearing from hearing from readers. But let us know uh, if you like it, whether you'd like more of it, less of it, whether you want it at the end of the podcast, the beginning of the podcast. But let's uh, start now with our first question for this episode. Hey, Josh and other TPMers. Um, great podcast. I appreciate that. This is Brian from Boise, Idaho. I'm wondering about Maria Butina and her right to bear arms group she created in Russia. I don't see any reporting on the current status of it. Is it accepted by Putin? Is it condoned? Is it used? Is it something that they don't like? I can't see Vladimir Putin really wanting a lot of people with guns in Russia. Um, so what is the status of right to bear arms? And uh, is it something in Russia that people actually gravitate towards? Thanks. So th this is a really interesting question, and and I don't know what happened to the organization like since she was arrested. That's that's not totally clear to me. But the general question is is a, is a really important one. Russia has a you know they they there's hunting and they have firearms, but it's highly regulated. You have to you need a license. You need to be trained. You you know all the all this kind of stuff. Um, so this is. Having an NRA style organization is not something that not just Vladimir Putin, but really any Russian government has ever been interested in or would want. So that raises the question, is this is is Putin against it? Does he just tolerate it? it right, because few things happen in Russia without yeah, his kind of yeah, blessing, right? Yeah, I, my sense is is that the organization really barely exists in any real sense, and at least if you if you take the U.S. government's sort of assertions, it's basically the the existence of the group is it's created by the state by the state's intelligence services or you know kind of diplomatic slash intelligence services. My sense is, is that it is really just a vehicle to gain purchase into right-wing U.S. politics, and the government slash Vladimir Putin just sort of indulges it because it really doesn't exist in any right. real sense in Russia. Right. It basically exists... It's just a front group. Yeah, in an effort to, yeah. you know, to gain access to people in the U.S. Yeah, exactly. So it's I, not I, like there's sort of, you know, weekly meetings yeah. at 8 o'clock and, yeah. you know, at the local diner or whatever. Yeah, I, I think in, for, for all practical purposes, it's a front organization and will probably cease to exist altogether uh, with the, at least the end of... Uh, Maria Butina's time as a <laughs> as a foreign agent or yeah. whatever. Okay, next question. Hi guys, this is Matt from Rhode Island. I've been thinking about the um, the Republicans and their unity behind President Trump and trying to figure out um, really why they remain so loyal, even when um, from the outside it appears quite detrimental to the party and. So I, w I was wondering if uh, if it's at all possible or perhaps, I don't know, feasible that the party is 
um, more broadly compromised by um, involvement with, uh, with I guess the the Russians and the the dip- uh, the uh, election meddling, and um, uh, either through Republican office holders or through the donor base, or if there's a simpler explanation, like perhaps just the donors are agnostically leaning on on uh, Republican representatives to to stay strong. Um, thanks so much, and uh, thanks for the podcast. Okay, so I have a pretty clear well whether my answer or not is 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 right i have i'm pretty clear on what my answer to this to this question is um who knows if there are other people um in the republican party who are compromised in in some way by by russians or anybody else but i don't think that is the reason why the party has has stayed so much behind president trump the the issue is really one that you can see going back to the presidential campaign and even before Trump. And that it, it's it's really this. The base of the Republican Party, and by base of the Republican Party, let's say let's say twenty-five to thirty percent of the electorate, uh, maybe even less than that. The parties don't make up obviously fifty percent of the population. But for committed Republican partisans, committed conservatives, they really, really, really support President Trump. So when you see members of Congress continuing to support him, the calculus is really simple. If they don't, they'll they'll get kicked out of Congress. It's really as simple as that. I mean, you Just see, ask Mark Sanford. Yeah, Mark Sanford. I mean, very conservative uh, rep from a very you know from one of the most conservative states, South Carolina. Uh, you know, he he came back from. His his infidelity scandal a few years ago, yeah. but he couldn't come back from Trump. Trump ran him out of office because he was critical of Trump, and he wasn't even that critical of Trump. He just didn't toe the line. So the reason the Republican Party uh, remains loyal to President Trump is because Republican voters really, really, really support him. Now, that may, and I, I think it is, having... Uh, Inflicting a great deal of damage on the Republican Party, not just in like a in a substantive qualitative sense, but in a in a real electoral sense. I think it's you know it's a reason I certainly hope and I expect they will lose control of the House of Representatives. Uh, I don't you know all, all these different kind of things. But remember, the interests of a Republican office holder are not the same as the interest of the entire Republican Party. They want to remain in office, period. Uh, so that's really it. I don't. So the point is, I don't think there's any, there is any uh, scandalous or hidden explanation required for why the Republican Party stays so loyal to President Trump. They stay loyal to President Trump because Republican voters overwhelmingly remain supportive of him, and they don't want to get out of line with him. Just a quick question for you, Josh. Do you? What's your sense of why basically 90% of Republican voters approve of the job President Trump is doing? What's behind that just overwhelming support for him, do you think? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I, think there's a, I think there's a limited extent to which, as a, as a, as a party becomes more beleaguered, certain people de-identify with the party. 
that happens, you know, in, in all sorts of different political contexts. So it's not like, you know, there are certain, uh, uh, there are certain relatively fixed demographic attributes, gender, income, uh, Age, well, age, age is maybe like the one, <laughs> the one absolute. Yeah. Um, but the point is, is that party identification is is not is highly fluid. People people say I'm Republican, and then you're kind of like a little down on the party. You say you're an independent. So to some extent, you have people just de-identifying with the Republican Party. Um, I think one answer has to be that whatever it is. That President Trump does, he's pretty good at it. Um, he really does have a hold on a certain part of the electorate. Um, his he's willing to adopt a stance, a confrontational stance that intensifies his supporters' support in ways that most politicians aren't willing to do because they're not willing to lose middle of the road voters. He's happy to lose the middle of the road voters. So so. That's another thing. It kind of gives him a his indifference to that. What is normally a very important calculus gives him a certain freedom and a certain power. Uh, you know, he the there are um, a certain core of the of of the Republican Party is is in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, kind of alienated from the rest of the society. And there's certain, there's certain things they want said. There's certain things they want supported. Um, and again, most politicians have been unwilling to sort of give everything to that group because they don't want to alienate the rest of the electorate. Uh, but Trump is, is willing to. And at least in the unique dynamics of 2016, and this is really certainly what I missed is that he did not lose that much in the middle. He, he was, he, he lost by two or three million votes. He obviously won the electoral college, but the key is, is that he did not, he managed to hold on to uh, more, you know, more of those voters than, than you would imagine. So I, I don't think, I think that was, uh, I think that was a unique circumstance, but you know, we will, we will see. Hi, Josh. This is Ben from New York. Seems like the Russia investigation is ultimately about whether or not the 2016 election was legitimate. My question is, what happens if it wasn't? Wouldn't that mean that Trump's actions as the president have also been illegitimate? Curious to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Bye. It's another really good question. And our constitutional framework, I think, does not really have a good answer to it. The reality is, is that Donald Trump is president. And even if, uh, even if something were to arise that really made it, you know, not, not a judgment call, you know, that, that, that he had been given a huge amount of his campaign money from Russia. And again, we, we know nothing like this. I'm just trying to create a hypothetical. Um, or, you know, imagine any number of things. He's still president. And there's no, there's, the, the system doesn't have a, uh, a scenario where you have a period when no one was president. So obviously he might be impeached. Um, but our system doesn't, 
doesn't have a good set of answers to the kind of the kind of questions that you're answering. Um, I do think in a in a more general sense, though, if there was clear evidence that really threw the legitimacy of his election into question, it would put like a big asterisk over everything that he has done. Um, but undoing those things would still have to rely on on conventional politics. And I, I, I will say this to 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 your to your broader question. Um, there is a there are a lot of people who say, look, this isn't about, uh, you know, revisiting the 2016 election. It's about what happens in the next election. It's about finding out what ha- th- those things are true. But to a great extent, it really is about finding out what happened in the 2016 election, because I don't think we can go forward without understanding what happened there. And if uh, the what is now, you know, coming up on two years of, of his presidency, that's already happened. But obviously, going forward is is a, a very real question. Is is the is the person who's now in the White House legitimately there? And how did they get there? Um, it, it's it's funny. One of I was talking to our colleague David Kurtz about this, or maybe one of our Slack conversations a few weeks ago. And he referenced a post I wrote at some point about how 9-11, we can only kind of step back now and see how 9-11 has everything about at least the first 10 or 15 years, see, at least 10 years after, once you get into late in, in Obama's time, it gets, a li- it gets a little more amorphous, but for at least a decade everything about our politics were defined by 9-11. And I don't mean just uh, the sort of national security politics. I mean the reaction to the national security politics and how did it happen. And I don't mean truther stuff, but, you know, who was at fault, who draw all these kind of things. You, you, you just see how that had this um, – profound shaping impact on our politics for years and years afterwards. And I do think that the 2016 election is starting to be something like that. Obviously, the analogy to 9-11 itself is very loaded, and I'm not trying to push that point. Um, But not only this question of, of Russian subversion, but just in a more general sense, the fact that how could this happen? I mean, even if it happened totally legitimately, still, how could this happen? How could such a person be elected president? Um, so there's there's all sorts of ways that I do think um, our politics seem now to be defined by coming to grips with what happened in the 2016 election. And Russian meddling, I think, is a really big part of that question, but it's not the only part of it. Okay. Well, thanks so much for your questions. Again, I I, uh, I really enjoy uh, getting them. But tell us, you know, tell us whether whether uh, whether you think it's a, a a good part of the show, whether it should be at the beginning or the end or something like that. Let me give you the uh, the number again. It's six four six eight six eight eight three nine three. That's six four six eight six eight eight three nine three. It's a voicemail box. Tell us your name, where you're from. 
concise message, and we will answer a number of them. Okay, so uh, now we're going to talk about what happened yesterday with Rudy Giuliani. Now, if you're a regular TPM reader, you probably saw that I had a few posts uh, basically kicking off at first of what Rudy Giuliani had said on CNN, uh, like uh, kind of like in the 8 o'clock hour, and then later in the day when he went back on Fox to sort of clean up the mess. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to start by playing you the audio of this key segment of what he of what he tells uh, a CNN host early yesterday morning where for the first time he puts out into the public record this idea that there was a planning meeting before the infamous Trump Tower meeting with the Russian lawyer that a couple days earlier, there was this planning meeting. And everybody, when every, when people heard this, everybody's like, whoa, what are you talking about? Like, you're, 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 and it was very convoluted about, like, it happened, right. Trump wasn't there, but it didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. Lonnie Davis already leaked it, and but yeah, no one really knew what he was talking about yeah, there. Yeah, it was very, it was, it was really kind of a mess. So anyway, here, we're going to listen to that audio, and then we're going to discuss what on earth was going on. The meeting with the Russians, um, that... How can you be sure that the president didn't know beforehand? You're saying it's just a he said, he said. Nobody can be sure of anything. In a situation like this, you have two things that argue against Cohen. It's two on one. I'm sorry, three things. Then you get to the other meeting he says he was at that the president wasn't at. It's three or four on one. That's the two. He also has added, or, um, or Lenny Davis has added, that there was a meeting two days before the meeting took place with Donald Jr., Jared, yeah. Manafort, and two others, Gates, and one more person. And that's a real meeting. You're saying that that... That's, that's, a, that's a real meeting on, a, on, a, on another provable subject in which he would not, not participate. The meeting, just so I'm clear, the meeting with the Russians, who was in there? I mean, I, I'd have to... Jared. Yep. It was with Donald Jr., yep. Jared, and two to three other people. I'm not sure of exactly who. And... But the one who came in and Russia. allegedly told the president about it was Donald, which Donald denies, the president denies, and there's no corroboration of. And Cohen has never said this at any time up until now. When Don, Ju- Don Jr. made, as you know, that day before the meeting, and I think after, um, calls to a blocked number, was that the president? I don't know. I, I haven't said, and this meeting that Cohen's talking about took place before the meeting with the Russians. But the other thing that's contradicted is Cohen also now says, because he says too much, that two days before, he was participating in a meeting with roughly the same group of people, but not the president, definitely not the president, Mm -hmm. in which they were talking about the strategy of the meeting with the Russians. The people in that meeting deny it, the people we've been able to interview. The people we have not been able to interview have never said that about that meeting. Okay. Okay. So there you go. So so (laughs) there is that audio. So let's, let's try to, let's try to pick this apart. So... As you can tell, some of it is just Rudy has this kind of stream of consciousness <laughs> yeah. way of talking right. that it's just literally hard to understand just what he's saying. Throwing names out there, throwing dates, like yeah, well, and, and also that that going, you know, having um, this very contradictory way of talking where he is saying saying such this meeting never happened, 
And these people who were at the meeting, well, you're like, wait a second, the meeting didn't happen. Who? So it's 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 right. like impossible to get a sense of of what he is even talking about because he's he is suggesting that you know Cohen is alleging this meeting, and I have I've talked to the principals yeah, involved in that, and they say nope. It, what I, meeting? Yeah, the meeting didn't happen, or it wasn't about that. Right. So, so, so it's at some level, it's it's like he is, he has this sort of in motion explanation for an uncertain or moving set of allegations. So, if the meeting happened, it wasn't about that. If you can't prove the meeting happened, the meeting didn't happen. <laughs> and and um, if the meeting did happen and it was about collusion, then Trump definitely wasn't there. Right. So and by the way, collusion is not a crime. Yeah, so I've so, looked it up and I've determined that. Yeah, exactly. So he he has. Um, what do you think? I mean, so you you lived in New York longer than I have. You know probably more about Giuliani like is this all has he always been this way this kind of all over the place and hard to follow or is this just kind of a result of sort of getting up in the years you know I don't I don't know I I I think some of it is I you know I I don't want to assume things about about Rudy's age I guess at some level he's I don't think he has ever had to publicly at least in in my recollection had to publicly deal with such a moving set of facts or um been under such scrutiny because you know one thing i i just had a post up this morning where there was this weird thing he says in late july of 2016 where he says the russians probably have the emails and also maybe the israelis and some other allies <laughs> and now so i did this post and i looked and i was like what is he talking about like, like at that point, we, we at least thought we knew that the Russians had hacked the DNC server, but we didn't then and, and don't really know now anything about the Israelis being involved. Right. So he just kind of says stuff. Right. And I think, and it, it's a little unclear whether he is just jabbering or he is, he is letting um, facts slip out that, that, that he doesn't. Uh, mean to, but it doesn't help that the other people involved in this story, and by that I mean Don Jr., the president, they're not the most reliable characters either. Yeah. So you know the information he might be getting is could be kind of warped and convoluted to begin with. Yeah, or he's having to defend things that there's who knows. In any <laughs> case, the point is is that in that that and many other things he said in two, 2016, he's just like a surrogate. No one really cared, so no one really focused that much. So mm-hmm. I don't really know if he's any. Um, if he's any different, I will say this, set aside his chronological age, he has had a, you know, he had his own sort of like, uh, name law firm for a number of years, but he hasn't really like practiced law in the sense of like prosecuting people for like 30 years. Um, and the kind of law that he was, he has been practicing since he was mayor is kind of like schmooze law, putting people together, you know, kind of... Would it be contract type stuff or just... I don't even... I think it's more like... more aspirational or kind of... Well, I think big money, but like money and schmoozing. Not the kind of stuff where you're, you're having to make very tight arguments and stuff like that. In any case, so yeah, he's all over the place. And a key thing about that 
segment we just listened to is that if you listen, he keeps saying, well, Lanny Davis leaked this or or it was just reported that about these questions of other meetings or, or, or stuff like that. And when people listen to that, the big question was like, wait a second. No one's ever talked about this before. Where are you where are you getting this from? Because when I heard it, my first thought was like, did I miss something over the weekend? Did like Lanny Davis give some interview on like a Sunday show and I, and I missed it? Um, because again, all of this was totally new. No one ever heard of right. this before. And just to remind, I mean, just for our listeners, we should remind them, Lonnie Davis, former Clinton official, right? right? But he's now representing Michael Cohen, right. kind of the public-facing right. legal he's, spokesperson. Exactly. For Cohen has like a kind of like a real lawyer, right. this guy <laughs> who I think his name is Petrillo, um, who's former uh, Southern District of, of New York, like, you know, senior prosecutor or something like that. And he's got Lanny Davis, who's kind of his TV lawyer. Right. Um, like Rudy, basically. <laughs> um, Perfect for each other. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and they're sort of like kind of sticking a bit of a shiv to the Trump people since Davis is very associated with the Clintons, right. even though his history with them is, right. is years and years and yeah, years Yeah, so Rudy's ago. going on and on about Lonnie Davis. Right. So he's saying that you said all these, you know, kind of said all these things, but no one has said all these things. So... It's very mysterious because, A, Rudy is suggesting that something happened that never happened. But also, like, what you're describing is very damaging to your client. So why are you talking about this? Now, in, the, in, that, first, um, in that first episode, and there was some controversy about this, that he at the end there, he does say, Michael Cohen says about that it's a planning meeting. So it, at a couple points, he says, yeah, it's a real meeting. It really happened. And then later, he puts it on Michael Cohen saying, and Cohen said this. So he doesn't actually vouch for it himself, but he doesn't contradict that characterization. Um, and it's certainly the gist of what we heard certainly seemed like, yes, this meeting happened. Um, but even but even uh, uh, Michael Cohen admits that Trump wasn't there. Uh, still, it's it seems very damaging. And the key thing there is that this guy Rick Gates is someone who Rudy sort of goes out of his way to mention that Rick Gates was there. Rick Gates was Paul Manafort's deputy, and he's the guy who's now a cooperating witness. Yeah, expected to be the, with star, the star witness in the Manafort trial, which starts today. Right, and, and, and conceivably, or one would imagine, not just that trial, but if there's a, right. if there's a, a collusion component here about, about that stuff too. So all of this stuff seems like incredibly damaging, and then he comes back, Rudy, comes back on Fox uh, three or four yeah, hours maybe early later. afternoon, yeah. Yeah, like one o'clock or something like that to basically say, no, 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 no. <laughs> and the Fox hosts greet him on, he's calling in at this point, he's on right. the phone, he's not in the studio, but they greet him by saying something like, oh, I think you, you have a statement for us or right. something like that, like as if it was some sort of, you know, he wanted to, Yeah, he knew he was sort of needed to clean yeah, this up. Yeah, exactly. And, and since it's Fox, he can kind of call in and say, hey, I gotta, I gotta, gotta take care of this. You gotta yeah. let me on. Yeah. Um, and, and when he, it was very telling with the Fox people because you know you have to sort of see their visuals. <laughs> they just but, have to sit there. Yeah, and but listen, even yeah. they're kind of like, dude, what are you talking about? Because he 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 is he's ne- he is he was later saying to kind of clean up the mess for that that uh, 
that audio you listened to a few moments ago, he's saying, well, no, none of this happened. I, I'm just saying that that um, giving you the details of what the claims are that happened, but <laughs> right. it didn't happen. And But he's still saying that these are the people in the meeting, and he knows it didn't happen because he talked to the people in the meeting, which, again... Still doesn't make any sense, <laughs> right. but I think what he is what he is trying to say is the only other time that pe- that these people met around the same time they have told me that it wasn't about collusion, or at least the ones who had talked to me right. told me it's not about right. collusion. So that's where that all um, that's where that all ended up. Now, so what was he talking about when he talked about Lanny Davis saying this, Lanny Davis saying that? What is the most logical explanation and what he later said in that in that afternoon Fox kind of rambling interview was that uh, and we don't actually know that Davis or Cohen did this, but it's not it it's plausible that they are shopping a story to reporters, Michael Cohen and Lanny Davis kind of going to reporters say, hey, here's what happened, blah, 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 blah. Um, reporters will take that to other people involved, i.e. the president's representative, yep. and say, is this true? So basically, it's kind of bubbling around, or again, the most logical explanation is that it's bubbling around reporters. Rudy and his team are hearing about it, and then they're trying to refute it, to contradict it. Uh, and so what happened in that in that segment in the morning is that Rudy seemed to forget what was public and what was not public. Right. So he thought he was kind of like, everybody knows about He's knocking that. down stories that don't exist yet. Yeah, that don't exist yet. And and again, I don't think he... It, it, it's clear that he didn't remember what was public or what wasn't, because he would have said. He wouldn't have said it was reported or it, we found out right. today or something like that. So that is sort of the explanation. So... so Let's let's go through our hypothetical again. Uh, uh, Michael Cohen or Lanny Davis or someone kind of connected with them is telling a story to reporters. Reporters then need to try to confirm it. And one of the steps in trying to confirm it is to go to the president's representatives, may go to Don Jr. or whatever. Rudy hears about it because he's, he's who you would go to. He's the yeah. lawyer of record. Uh, and... Then he has to respond, and they try to contradict it. So they're trying to contradict this story, think they have a contrary story, and now he's on TV trying to shoot down the story, and he forgets that no one ever published the story. No one knows what has any idea what he's talking about. Um, and what he does is to reveal that at least there are claims of this preparation meeting before the Trump Tower meeting. Right. And there's a... Uh, a good journalist friend of mine who I, I chat with about this stuff from time to time, and he, he made the point to me yesterday that if that planning meeting happened, it is actually more important than the Trump Tower meeting itself. And the reason is that it, it, it's, it's premeditation, basically. If, you know, they've kind of said, oh, someone said they wanted to meet. We met with them. We didn't right, know what we they were, were going to talk about. Right, we were bored on our iPhones. Yeah. yeah, kind of like, you know, and certainly for like, uh, for Jared Kushner and Paul Manafort, they can say, man, someone just told me to show up in a room and then there's this Russian lady and right. like, right. I didn't know anything about it. We didn't do anything, whatever. 
But if they if they got together a couple days before and said, "Hey, we need a plan for how we're going to collude <laughs> with the Russians," that's much much yeah. worse. And as you pointed out in a timeline that you published, available for Prime subscribers, uh, wasn't it like the day after that alleged planning meeting or the? night of Trump gave his sort of infamous speech pointing to some damaging information that he was going to reveal about Hillary Clinton in the coming days. That's exactly right. They were, they were, um, uh, the Trump Tower meeting was on July 9th, I'm sorry, June 9th, 2016. And this uh, purported planning meeting, uh, you know, kind of collusion planning meeting (laughs) was on June, sometime June 7th, two days earlier. And that speech was that night. Right. It was actually after Super Tuesday. It was a uh, California primary and a few other primaries. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it fits just right. Yeah. And, and the, another thing, again, in this conversation with this, this friend of mine, one of the things that is really a testament to how effective the Trump people have been in creating alternative explanations, just uh, denying, 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 is that they have managed to, at some level, keep in suspense, keep uncertain, things that are obvious. There's no way that they're going to sit down and have this meeting. The Trump's son is going to sit down and have this meeting and not tell his dad, not get like, hey, you think this is okay? Is this legit? Right. Um, Or... If they are going to have this meeting, and are they really going to like, let's just hit it cold. Let's not even like discuss ahead of time. Of course, they're going to discuss it. It's the most obvious thing in the world yeah. that, that, you would, that you would discuss it. And so in a way, I think one of the, one of the funny things about the dynamics of these, of these flare-ups with Rudy is... Or, you know, when a few days ago when or a week or so ago when news came out that Michael Cohen is willing to say that Trump knew and stuff yeah. like that. Certainly, Michael Cohen's credibility is very dubious, to put yeah. it to put it mildly. Um, and for people who really do not like the president, obviously, there is a it's kind of human nature. You want to believe things yeah. that make him look bad. Um, but I do think one of the things it's not just you know, wanting to believe Michael Cohen, who has so little credibility, it's that what he's saying is really obviously kind of has to have been the case. It's just a matter of whether you're going to be able to corroborate it it or not. Um, In any case, so here's the here's the final uh, question that I wanted to try to address about this this storm with Rudy yesterday. And it's one that is that comes up in other times with him. And that is in that afternoon appearance on Fox, he basically said, well, this was, this is all kind of by design. We needed to kind of get out there and, and preempt this claim about uh, the collusion planning meeting. Um, so this wasn't me like forgetting what was public and what wasn't, or, or just being so indisciplined that I'm very damaging to my client. This was, this is the plan all along. Um, and that was sort of the argument that he made or that people made on his behalf after he, and this is a few months ago now, revealed that, in fact, uh, Donald Trump had paid the, you know, reimbursed the Stormy Daniels uh, thing, you know, the right. money to, to Stormy Daniels. Um, so I don't buy that. I don't, I, I do not think that is the case. Um, I think 
Now, it, 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 it may be the case that they are afraid this is coming and he wanted to refute it. Um, but I don't buy that stuff like that is, is I kind of feel by like, design. I kind of feel like his delivery reveals it all along. It's not the tone or cadence of someone who has a practiced or kind of deliberate intentional statement. It's all over the place. Like it's hard to follow his logic. He's all, you know, he's bouncing from one thing to the next. When you're listening to it as a just consumer of news or a viewer of television, you're like, what? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, we, we uh, you know, I was just telling listeners that, that when you and I and Kate were, were trying to, is Kate Riga, uh, a reporter in our, in our New York office, um, we were trying to figure out what to do with the information. Yeah. We just had a hard time understanding what he was even saying. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so I, and, and, and I think uh, added to that, in most cases, it's not like he comes on, you know, you can tell when someone comes on a show and they've got something, I want to talk about this. Yeah. Almost like when he came on that afternoon where it's kind of like, they're like, Rudy, all right, you have something you need to get off your <laughs> right. chest. You know when someone comes on and they're like, okay, look, there's a lot of people are talking about there are claims that there was this meeting. This did not happen. Uh, this is the first you're hearing about it, but this did not happen, blah, blah, blah. In the CNN interview, it's like halfway through the interview in a weird sort of stream of consciousness thing about whether collusion is a crime. Right. And suddenly, so. And it was also kind of so awkward or haphazard that I don't even think the CNN hosts really even picked realized, up on it yeah, in, no, the, that was in, the mean, in the real time. That was the thing is that I take some small pride that I think I was yeah, one I of the were, first yeah. to kind of say, like, wait a second, they're, they're talking about something that we've never heard <laughs> right. about before and they're mentioning Rick Gates. But no, you're right. That it is a testament to how disorganized his presentation was and how little indication he gave that that was a matter of any consequence at all. It was just part of this kind of, again, stream, I mean, literally kind of stream of consciousness, right. um, whereas Lanny said this, that, the other, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So no way, no way this is, and, and, and I've even seen like when he, when he had that thing about um, when he let slip that Trump had, in fact, reimbursed Michael Cohen for the payments to, to Stormy Daniels. Later, people said, well, he kind of he made it seem like he slipped, but he wanted to get it out there for their own devious plan. Um, I don't buy that. I don't. I mean, wh why? Why, why right. do you need? I mean, what is what is what is um, what is achieved by maintaining this cover of like a slightly senile reporter who like stumbles into right. saying them. Yeah. I mean, that just makes no sense. Why why do you why do you need to pretend like you stumble? It just it just I think what it is is that um in 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 both in in the second interview and the one on on, on Fox in the afternoon he said, you know, me and Jay Jay Sacculo, right. who's another of the president's lawyers who has never been a trial attorney. He is, uh, he, he's, he's basically a, an activist litigator who runs a, an organization for sort of, you know, right-wing, uh, religious liberty stuff. You know, you can, don't have to bake a gay cake and right, stuff like right. that. And he's a presence on TV. He sort of serves yeah, that TV yeah, lawyer yeah, purpose. Exa exactly, exactly. But the point is, is that he is not, he is another one of these people who you would never have thought to hire him to be your lawyer. And Rudy talks about me and Jay. 
me and Jay, right? So the way this would normally work in any other in any other White House is that you would have um, you would have some bigwig attorney, and then you'd have a group of younger attorneys, you know, kind of doing the legwork, and and the big attorney makes the big decisions, makes kind of key strategy decisions talks with the client, negotiates with the special counsel. But he's not like going back and like looking through the calendar and stuff like right. that. So I think what it is is that um, to a great extent, they are doing this work themselves. And you've got lots of information, lots of different things. And you go on TV and you just start talking. A lot of things come into your head. Yeah. You know, when, I, when, when, when we do the podcast – Right, I kind of free associate, but I don't have any big <laughs> secrets, right? So it doesn't matter, right? right. So it's just whatever, you know. So uh, there, you know, there's 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 no news story that I can't I can't I got to remember not to discuss it or or right. or to pretend not to know about it or something like that. Um, so anyway, that's my take. I I think we we are just in this still kind of crazy situation where. A, the president does not have a good set of facts. I think that is kind of one thing that that you have to start the conversation with. The president does not have a good set of facts. I think it is it is unquestionably the case that he is he is sitting on a lot of secrets that he doesn't want to reveal, both for political and for legal reasons. Um, he does not have the patience, uh, or the he, he doesn't have the patience to deal with a legitimate lawyer. And he doesn't have the reliability for a legitimate lawyer to want to work with him. So he has someone like Rudy, who I think he judges on the basis of, you know, Rudy went on TV and like kicked ass on my behalf. He was mean. He kind of, he didn't, he didn't mince words. He likes that. You know, Trump likes that. And I'm sure Rudy is telling him, dude, you're, you're killing it, man. It's all going great and stuff like that. And so he has this person who um, is... You know, whatever kind of prosecutor he may have been uh, in his 30s and 40s is just not someone who really has any experience doing this kind of stuff. And when you go on TV, and I will tell you, anybody who goes on TV, certainly when you're in a kind of an adversarial point of view, it's one thing like when I go on TV and they just want me to punditize for a second, <laughs> right. you know, and they give you like a minute and a half. Yep. But if it's an interview with her, uh, with, with, with you... All sorts of crazy shit comes out of your mouth, yeah. right? It's just it's 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 uh, it's funny. There was actually um, Joe Klein, who we don't hear. I I don't know what he's really up to these days, um, but if you remember, he wrote Primary Colors, the Romana Clef about about uh, Clinton, and at first it was an anonymously written book, and then. Uh, some sleuths kind of, you know, put the pieces together, and eventually people figured out that that Joe Klein wrote the wrote the novel, and he gave a press conference, and I don't remember now exactly what was asked and answered in the press conference, but I remember him being interviewed a little later because I guess several things he said were just lies, and he admitted that later, and he said. It was a learning experience for him being on the, you know, the, the receiving hunt, end, the receiving end that 
he just got up there and people are throwing questions at him and he just like things <laughs> came out of his mouth yeah. that he never plan to say right. and and kind of like you just you panic you I panic guess. Yeah. and you lie and you say stupid things <laughs> right um and so fundamentally i think that's what is happening with uh Rudy giuliani and it's because the president is is someone who um is not very strategic and doesn't like hearing things he doesn't want to hear and uh has some areas of genius about things he is able to accomplish. I mean, he is president of the United States, uh, but he, he is impatient, uh, reckless and has bad judgment. And he doesn't want to hear from people who want to tell him when he's making a mistake. So that is our roundup of what on earth Rudy Giuliani was doing yesterday. Uh, I, Probably like something else will happen in the next couple of days yeah. where, where we could almost like. <laughs> I mean, it seems, this. you know, I'm sure the the pressure to book him on television is not, you know, subsiding at all. So we'll probably see him soon, and we'll no, be it's back. Like, well, like last night, I I even like. Yeah, I saw your tweet. <laughs> well, no, I, I was like, he's got to be on Fox, man. It's, right. it's everything's been so good. I even like tuned in on Hannity. Oh yeah, and it was like totally low energy. Yeah, it was yeah. like he just like. It was just nothing. Right. And so it was like, even I was like kind of pumped up and I hate political TV when it's, you know, when I'm not like, uh, when I'm not like on the clock. Right. Anyway, something I don't hate is Grady's Cold Brew Ice Coffee. So remember Grady's Cold Brew Ice Coffee. They're our sponsor here on the Josh Marshall Podcast. Ready to give it a swirl? Get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com. That's Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. All right. Thanks, David. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Josh. Bye.